Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, welcome everyone. It's uh, it's John Fisher here, host of the Catch, and uh, I've got Gunnar Simonson our producer with me, and uh, we are, it's election night, and uh, we are uh, real interested in how that's going. Um, Of course, this is uh, congressional elections, really concerned about how, you know, the Senate and and the Congress work out, but a lot of local stuff, too, that's real important on this one. That's why I went. Uh, I voted today, and Gunnar voted last night. So, uh, Gunnar, how how are you, how are you feeling about things? You know, I'm feeling good. Uh, I I think I'm feeling really good, John, because not only is it election night, it is the eve of a very important day, and that is a day where we have tomorrow the beginning of no more political ads on TV. <laughs> yes, that's like the official the official. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, what a weekend! What a. Uh, I mean, it was like it was like nonstop commercials. How was it down there in California? I mean, was it just crazy? Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And now here's the here's the thing for me. I'm excited. In fact, I already thought about this as I drove in my driveway tonight. Um, I can take down the signs that I have on my lawn <laughs> for <laughs> you know for the Congress for local Laguna Beach. Uh, you know, um, uh, city council members. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of them's my neighbor, so oh. obviously I had to have him up, and then uh, yeah. another one is a kind of a cohort of his. So, yeah, <laughs> it'll be fun <laughs> to have that those things cleared off the landscape. Absolutely. You're right. And, uh, it, it's, a, it's a day that I think everyone is looking forward to tomorrow, but uh, – it's uh, an interesting night, definitely, as you said, uh, watching the balance of uh, power and definitely have uh, their eyes are on a couple of surprising races uh, uh, tonight that are playing out on the East Coast. And uh, it's amazing the kind of data they can get, John, these days. If, if a couple elections in certain states go kind of one direction, they kind of start seeing trends on how that will play out the rest of the country. It's just incredible. I know, yeah. And the kind of stuff with our guest tonight that we're going to be talking to, the kind of stuff they do is, is just so fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and uh, some of that is, you know, some of that, it just gets too carried away uh, to, yeah. for, for my, for my good. I mean, you know, when we have a presidential election, it's like, it's decided and I'm in California, it's, it's yeah. usually decided before we ever wake up. it's either you know it used to be it was all decided and they'd call the race before we would even have our polls closed you know 
and right. and, and you'd, right. you'd feel so left out in the in, in our zones. And now it's like, yeah, I mean, they're they're you know maybe the next morning or day two down the you know or and it, and it and it always kind of ends up down in Broward County in, in uh, Florida, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it does. You know, it does. The hanging chads. But, and, there was already there yeah. was already reports out of Broward, Florida tonight saying, you know, we have got to keep the the, the the polls open longer. And, and I'm thinking, man, let's. I, I got some relatives down in Florida. I got to call them and say, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Get it together. Well, it, it is it, the thing is though, it's it really is privilege. You know, it's a great it's thing to be able to go to the polls. And yeah, and I, I, you know, I I can't, I, I I'm not, I can't. What do we say here? I'm not boasting because I do not. I'm not as aware as I should be as a voter. Um, and but I, I think I think we're all a little bit like that. We can't know everything sure. about everything, you know. Yeah. And it's just uh, sometimes that's a little overwhelming. But the fact that you know some things and you want to go and you want to, you have the privilege to say something about what you know what yeah. your what you believe and and, and what you want to. Help be behind, you know that that's a, that's just a great thing about being an American, and there's no way around it. It's uh, yeah, it's a good it's just a good feeling to wear your little I voted sticker, you know, which yeah. I got. And uh, you know the the only thing I really cared about was was my my neighbor <laughs> running <laughs> that running for city council, you know, and it was really fun to cast my vote for him, you know. I know the guy. I think he's a good guy. He's going to be great, you know. The bill was have a part like that. That's that's cool. And as a matter of fact, I think, John, we have a picture of you on our Facebook page right now, uh, facebook.com, the catch, of you voting tonight. And uh, yeah. if you're listening or <laughs> listening to this later and you voted, just let us know. Like that post and let us know, hey, look, we voted too. And you're absolutely right. It's an absolute privilege to vote and you look at some of these other countries that you know have had the opportunity to vote for the first time in forever and just yes yeah. it's it's an, it's an amazing you know democracy you know oh, and, and, and oh, oh, yeah my. we can get into you know, you know uh, broad and all that stuff but uh you know i mean it is you know uh, the right to vote uh, is an incredible gotta, privilege do you remember um do you remember uh south africa uh, yeah 19 uh, I think it was 94. I'm pretty it sure. Was Mandela, right? When Mandela, when they had their first election, and they were worried about so many things that could happen, bloodshed, all kinds of things. It was peaceful, and yeah. I've I've got a book here uh, about that. That on the cover of the book, it has uh, a snake of people. Mm. That goes on forever. Yes, people waiting to vote, and it took mm. them two days to put everybody through the polls. And those yeah. people patiently stood in line and waited to cast their vote. I mean, what a historic, what a Absolutely. historic thing that was, you know. And and these were most of them all black people who finally count. You know, their yes. life counted. Oh. This, this was amazing. Uh, yeah. what a what a great what a great picture uh, that that is of of the privilege and you you look at that and you go and and I you know I, I didn't even remember to vote you know um, yeah. you, you got to well, keep it in perspective yeah you know and, and you know and, and I know probably for future shows and discussions down the road you look at 
you know, a lot of times, you know, I mean, voter turnout, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's not, I mean, I know in Oregon, we have this mail in thing that we do, we mail it in early and, and all that, I think we're probably going to look at maybe 70% turnout on vote. And, um, you know, I just would That's love to see good. as many people. As we, yeah, it would be great. It would be great to see more people um, to be able to just get involved in the process. You know, take the time. We have, the you know, all kinds of information to available to us to educate ourselves on on things. And uh, But to get out there and vote is a great thing. And, and tonight, John, I know um, – you know, uh, having uh, our guest that's going to that's going to be on. Obviously, um, you know he's very active tonight, very involved in California yeah. politics. Um, so he yep. obviously wasn't able to be on live, but we did a pre-recorded segment of this uh, tonight that we're going to be talking about. John, tell us a little bit about you know who we're going to be uh, uh, who we're talking to here tonight. It's going to be fascinating. Oh yeah, uh, Rob Rob Stutzman is uh, has his own PR uh, PR company in. Sacramento, and uh, but he is primarily uh, it's PR mostly in the political realm, and uh, he spends his time, um, you know, helping candidates with their PR and uh, and issues and and uh, deals a lot with Sacramento. He deals a lot with the news. I, I've heard him. I've seen him quoted in time in LA Times and various places. Um, He's, uh, you know, he's just uh, really got his finger on the pulse, at least for California politics. And uh, he's a beautiful Christian man. He is a board member for the Catch, which we are so proud of. And um, he is, uh, he's going to be a wonderful guest to talk about this whole idea of, 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 of politics and, and, and the gospel and uh, the gospel of welcome, especially. How do we... You know, how do we get over so much of the division and hurtful things that happen in politics for the sake of the gospel? How, how does that all work? It's going to be a great uh, conversation. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, John, um, and again, uh, you know, tell us on the Facebook page if you're listening. Go like that post. Let us know you voted. And, and uh, you know, and if you, if, you know, and invite your friends to listen to this. Come back, listen to us. Send us your questions and your comments. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, you know, John, I, this is gonna be this is gonna be a great conversation. A lot of great stuff that came out. The politics and the gospel of welcome. Um, let's take a listen to that uh, conversation uh, here on the catch on the blogtalkradio.com. Tell me a little bit about how you got in into this. Uh, I know for a fact that um, you went to a Christian college, and. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's, I, I think the scene has changed now, but a number of years ago, probably when you were in college, it wasn't a natural step to go from a Christian college to public relations. <laughs> Am I right about that? Well, that's, that's probably right. I, was, uh, I did go to Point Loma Nazarene uh, College, now Point Loma Nazarene University right. in, in San Diego. So I was a beach dweller myself for those college, yeah, college years. Yeah, Yeah. And I went to college with a, a political bug. I was a little bit of that uh, Alex Keaton character in Family Ties. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a lunch. I didn't have a lunch or uh, a Nixon uh, lunchbox, but I had a probably had a Reagan lunchbox in my era, <laughs> the '80s. So I always I was just a kid with a political bug. Um, loved my yeah. education at Point Loma. Um, I was a philosophy major, which I thought prepared me uh, w- well for. 
for for this life. I'm very grateful for all that experience. But I certainly came into you know as a as a you know impressionable person, child of the '80s. I came into politics very much with a, a fervor that was fueled by by faith. Um, I have I have some different perspective looking back on that as people mm-hmm. should have as they as they grow older and experience. Right. Uh, but there was no question. Um, I think as most people. No matter what their ideology is, young people go into politics. It's for it's for very uh, passionate reasons. And um, yeah, the, I guess the only thing about going to a Christian college like, like Point Loma, where everyone was more or less fairly conservative, I never had the the experience of having having to fight the uh, the leftist radicals on campus because mm-hmm. we couldn't find <laughs> any. <laughs> well, you. Um... Now you got into P, uh, public relations. Was that uh, a part of your plan, or, or uh, when you when you say you had the political bug, were you were you at one time wanting to be in politics, like to be a polit- politician yourself? Oh, I think as a younger person, yes, most definitely. You always mm-hmm. envision yourself as standing in the well of the House of Representatives. Uh, and the, actually, from a business perspective, I just have got, I, I got into the business and discovered it. It was it was almost more fun to. To, to do what I do rather than be the actual elected person, uh, but I was passionate <laughs> about politics, and that's what I did right out of right out of college. Um, I worked for a nonprofit organization, a policy center mm-hmm. that was affiliated at that time with with focus on the family. So, what we what we then called pro family type of, mm-hmm. of, of policy, and I did that here in Sacramento. Um, I had the good fortune of interning for a governor. Uh, governor Duke Majin, who was governor during the the 1980s, oh, yeah. and it kind of just led to one thing after another. I, I ended up working for a congressman. Uh, then I gravitated towards the campaign and press communications side of of this business. And as my career progressed, I ended up just the, the fast forward um, ended up being part of the, the the infamous recall campaign in California that elected Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. as his communications director and served mm-hmm. him in the governor's office for for two years, front row seat to a lot of history here. Um, wow. In, in California and nationally. So it's been a fascinating ride, and I feel very fortunate blessed to to do what I enjoy, and um, that, that includes now being in Sacramento with um, public relations, public affairs, lots of corporate clients, mm-hmm. but also still do campaigns, as you mentioned in, in mm-hmm. the intro. So still very much in, involved with Trying to elect, okay, and uh, or not elect uh, certain people. Mm-hmm. So it's not uh, it's not all your firm is not all uh, politics. No, not all not all politics, okay. but usually just but certainly related to issues in the public square. Yes, I see, I see. Well, um, you know, we've been we've been discussing uh, on and off. That uh, that public square. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you use that term. You know, we had Oz uh, Guinness on some time ago, and mm-hmm. and he had a lot to say about what's going on in the public square, and I, that I thought was very, very thought provoking for a lot of Christians. Um, you know, I, I I'm thinking about right now the whole scene. We've got, you know, when when I when I think back on when I was like in college, high school, college, um, uh, Republicans and Democrats have always been at, at, at war with each other, but I can remember when, when it was mostly a friendly fight. You know, uh, politicians would argue over bills and 
in Congress, and then they go out to dinners together. And uh, there was lots of respect across the aisle, and uh, especially senior members of Congress who always seem to, to be most uh, congenial, as if old age and experience smoothed out some of the bumps. But now it seems to be different. It, it just seems we see nothing but but uh, a kind of a glaring contention going on, uh, especially during elections. Things can get so ugly. Uh, hostility, bitterness are very near the surface. It, am I right about this? Uh, when and when did you start to 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 notice this kind of polarity in politics? And do you have any idea what we can attribute it to? I know it's a big question, but let's. You know, start in wherever you feel like it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a variety of reasons for the the vitriol or, or lack of civility, and you know, there's nothing wrong with sharp public um, discourse. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with sharp uh, debate, but somewhere along the line, our politics became much more personal. And you're right. You know, D, Washington D.C., where I do a great deal of work, it's kind of my second home. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's rather unusual to find Democrat and Republicans consorting with one another uh, socially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sacramento, I have to say, I, I think the good. I, I feel very fortunate in that I, that type of vitriol doesn't necessarily infect us here the same way it does in Washington. But mm-hmm. you know, as most as with most things, John, I'm, I'm afraid it was largely about money. And I think mm-hmm. what people found, uh, especially with the rise of of talk radio and now has moved on into what can be done over the Internet and uh, the, the specific narrow casting that takes place and how we consume media, like on cable TV now, is that mm-hmm. there, you, you know, people found that they pander to that type of politics of, of vitriol, that uh, whether it was you know, good oh. direct mail or high ratings, um, that it was the marketplace actually facilitated it. So in some ways you can, you know, the, the public still enabled politics to go this direction, I think. Um, mm. But we started to become a more complex media um, culture that allowed it to, to manifest. And it's, you know, from a, a Christian right perspective, if you will, the rise of that is pretty well documented in the 80s with moral mm-hmm. majority. And what, what fueled that was uh, successful direct mail fundraising. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, un- unfortunately... And it's particularly in politics, this is often the way you market a lot of things, is you appeal to people's fear or you appeal to people's anger. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. in a fallen world, that becomes a prime prime motivator. And uh, it works, yeah. even for causes that we may regard as supposedly for, for good. So, And this, look, the same thing happens and manifests on the left uh, as well. And mm-hmm. so I, that's, I think that's why we're – I think where this vitriol, this lack of civility has come from is that, frankly, it was wow. in a lot of people's interests because uh, they were profiting wow. from it. Okay. And ultimately so, it affected who we elected to, to places like Congress and it affects the way they all get along or don't get along with each other. Wow. Wow. So we've gravitated uh, to these uh, hot-and-button issues because – there, that's the thing that lights people up. That, that's what gets them, uh, uh, whatever gets them upset or those kinds of things. That's going to get, get them out to the polls, get them active. Is that, and giving is money. that right? And giving, and giving, and giving money. And, or, yeah. or drawing their eyeballs, whether it's uh, TV or their ears if it's radio. Um, 
Wow. Look, I'll use I mean Rush Limbaugh I'll use as an example, and I Rush Limbaugh actually started in Sacramento where I was growing up before he was a national on national radio. I was you know, a huge Rush Limbaugh fan, but you know it, it, it is what, what he does ultimately at the end of the day is often predicated on on this type of, of vitriol mm-hmm. and a lack of a lack of civility. So I don't want to single him out, but I think he's a good representation that most people would understand what I'm trying to say of where right. where, where the whole public debate has gone, driven by media, driven by media like that. Well, you could almost, in a way, you could put it back in our laps, in the, in the people. I mean, in a way. Well, at the end of the day, I think that's absolutely right. Um, people I mean, that, take that's what we for, end up re- responding yeah, to. Exactly. Exactly. We, you know, I mean, <laughs> what are, as, 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 as Christians, what are we to be fearful of? You know, we're instructed not to have fear. You look at how we've yeah. manifested our involvement in politics, and it's, it's very much mm. fear-based and inward-looking. Um, to cite what Oz Guinness was talking about on that great interview you had with him, is that we've, mm-hmm. we have spent the last 30 years so concerned about protecting our own rights instead of fighting for the rights of others, and that is definitely mm-hmm. why we are where we're at as people of faith in the public square. Wow. Wow. Uh, is there anything we can do about this, Rob? Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, on a, on, a, on, the, on the big square, in the public square, you know, it, it, uh, we probably can't have a big effect, but but we must be able to have an effect somewhere. What, what do you what do you think we can do to try and um, make this environment more healthy and and uh, more respectful and civil? Is well, there, I think there's a there lot. Anything? I think there's a lot we can do, and it, it's really a lot of it is within the power of of those that are in the pews on on Sunday. Um, mm. I can point to the, the leadership of what people are hearing in the pews and the example or the examples that are being set mm-hmm. would help if it was possibly different but we we really need i would say it's it's a, to focus ourselves outwardly again as oz was challenging us to do mm-hmm. faith with our politics so what do we need to be doing that's of interest to of other people rather than ourselves and wow. you know is there is there are there certain agendas that we must fear and organize to stop um, you know what what is the real consequence of making sure um, certain words can be uttered uh, in prayers at schools or uh, in commencement speeches? Those are all very important fundamental issues, but if that's all we're doing is fighting for our own rights, then we're not doing. Uh, enough of probably what we're instructed to do if we if we uh if we look at the instruction of, of the gospels and the example of christ's life uh we need to be intellectually honest we need to more mm-hmm. carefully vet our sources of information we need to be careful not to perpetuate mm-hmm. information that may not be accurate or frankly ask ourselves how is this um how is this wholesome of, of the body of our society to promote certain types of information on social networks or what we talk to our mm-hmm. our friends about. And if you're going to be uh, a critic of the president or a particular politician, um, you should also be spending just as much time praying for that person um, mm-hmm. and considering them with a loving heart, equal parts, I would say. And, 
and that I think will start to condition people's minds and attitudes, and frankly, give people a little bit more independence and and free thinking. Um, I tell you, people of faith are largely herded uh, when it comes to politics, and there's not enough of their own individual free thinking that goes on. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 sad to say, Rob, I don't think that's only politics. I think it's, you know, in many, many other areas too. Uh, as Christians, we have a tendency to let other people do our thinking. Right down to agree. Yes. Yeah. And like, you know, I think I know uh, one of my questions, but I know your answer to this is, is should churches tell people how to vote? (laughs) Well, well, most certainly not. Uh, I would would hope that that someone sitting in a a pew actually wouldn't want their church to tell them that and would find it offensive if they tried to. Um, But I think think churches can facilitate rich discussion. I mean, there's no reason churches shouldn't be facilitating civility. Um, In fact, some of the – look, you know, Rick Warren at Saddleback facilitated presidential discussions, debates, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I thought mm-hmm. was wonderful because it was an example of an evangelical Christian leader um, facilitating civility in politics. And it has That's been right. a long time, I think, since a, a, an evangelical mm-hmm. leader was seen in that light in the political scene. That's right. He brought Obama in there, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, the he heart of Orange a, County. Both, <laughs> both, of, both of the candidates he brought in. Yeah. I thought it said, I yeah, thought it said a, a, an excellent example. It really did. I've often thought, you know, it would be so great if a church would get a hold of maybe, you know, not a part of church necessarily, but maybe a part of a special Wednesday night um, gathering where maybe we can get two or three of our church members who are Republicans and two or three who are Democrats on a panel. And let's just talk about uh, all the issues and the candidates and, and, uh, listen to both sides and get educated uh, and perhaps then we will be able to even vote better what do you think what do you think about that i think that i i think it would help us vote better i think we need to have you know part of what our our system is predicated on is at least listening uh, and considering and uh, instead of reacting all the time you know, un, uh, consider it cross-cultural ministry if you're a Republican and, and need to understand mm-hmm. what a Democrat is thinking. And the same to someone on the religious left. Just calm down and listen to a conservative and and be respectful and try to understand and gain, and gain perspective. I mean, in this country, I've, I have done um, – mm. I've worked internationally in politics, John. And let me tell you, the issues that we debate so vociferously here are mm-hmm. – not the issues, the big issues that are being decided in a lot of countries around the world when it comes to their elections, which are over much over much larger ideas, um, hmm. communism versus democracy, for instance. Uh, you know, we, there's much that we agree on here, and then sometimes it's good just to come together and focus on those things and celebrate the fact hmm. uh, that we have a the best and most functioning constitution that the world has ever seen. Wow. Uh, yes, and so why exactly? And, and we need to be championing, championing, championing <laughs> that freedom, um, and, and that 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 the church should be uh, one of the places where uh, the debate is wide open. And uh, wouldn't that be a wonderful example? 
Well, and it's, and it's, it's also, it, why shouldn't grace extend to political discussion? Um, why yeah. shouldn't someone feel comfortable to be able to speak amongst their, their church family um, freely about politics and have a discussion knowing there would be without judgment? Um, you know, it's, it's, you know <laughs> what we're largely conditioned to do in the church is to accept without judgment um, um, the sinner until they talk about politics. <laughs> And then there's lots of judgment if we don't agree with them. Uh, so just the, the concept of, of, of grace needs to be extended in this whole area as well. You know, um, getting back to your uh, your position as in, in public relations for certain campaigns, um, I, I, I imagine you've probably had to have been in some rather dicey situations uh, where <laughs> – you know, the people around you have wanted you to start, you know, slinging mud and looking, you know, going after the opponent. And have you ever, have you ever had, you know, situations where you just, you had just to make a decision based on, on, on ethical, what was ethically right or wrong? You understand what I'm saying? Here? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's, and sometimes this, this might be hard for people to understand about our, our business is, is that it, it actually isn't difficult. Because um, either truth is truth, or it's you know, or, or a lie is a lie, and hmm. um, I've never lied about anybody, and I've never hmm. perpetuated a lie about anybody. Um, we do campaign um, with a, we instead of uh, slinging mud, John. We like to call that exploiting <laughs> somebody's negatives. <laughs> so, uh, but okay. look, pol- politics is a full contact sport. And uh, people that <laughs> venture onto into the arena um, mm-hmm. know, know that it, you know those are the those are the rules. Um, and right. uh, you know there there are paths to winning, and sometimes it includes um, uh, exploiting somebody's negatives. But if it's a fact, it's a yeah. fact, and if it's relevant to the voters, it's up for the voters to decide. So um, I'll mm-hmm. make no mistake, it's a it's a pugilist type of business. Um, and um, I've delivered hard blows, and I've worked for candidates that have had hard blows delivered upon them. But it, it, the ethical lines really are, are are actually not that difficult to find. It's you just you you shall not lie about somebody, and I've I've really never been asked to do that. Um, we just hmm. when you deal in fact, now you can color facts in a lot of different ways, um, but mm-hmm. that's often what campaigns ultimately you know are, are decided upon is who can present. Facts or truth in a, in a certain in a certain way that resonates the best with the voters. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think? How much do you think the 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 whole you you mentioned the fear aspect uh, as a as a prime motivator and fundraiser? Um, uh, how much do you think that the, the Christians getting involved in politics uh, contributed to this this whole thing the, the well, negative aspects of it. it's uh i think somewhat unwitting i think somewhat somewhat unwittingly okay. uh, i do i do believe uh, the rise of the christian right um, preyed upon people's um, fears and mm-hmm. and somehow and tried to get people to give people this notion that uh things that are sacred uh or right or based in natural law 
should be preserved and can be preserved through through law or perpetuated mm-hmm. through through law. Well, you know, that's a, some things maybe, but it's it's a it's a bit of a debatable question. And uh, I think the I think the left reacted uh, to that, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the '90s when uh, the vitriol on on Bill Clinton from the right I think really became amplified mm-hmm. in a way we'd never seen before in American politics. Uh, and it was easy to do. You know, there was evidence this guy's mm-hmm. a womanizer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a bit of an easy target for for the religious for the religious right. Uh, social issues were, uh, and so, you know, let's go. Let's not forget. I mean, it's not as if it, a lot of this existed before Roe. I mean, there was a huge step to the left uh, mm-hmm. by the by the courts um, through Roe, which to me has more to do than just, to do with just abortion, um, but had to do with. Um, pushing a, an entire agenda, and then there was a there was a backlash to it, and it came after Watergate, and it was in the 80s, and it it was mm-hmm. during it was during Reagan, you know, Reagan's America, uh, because evangelicals were an important part of his of his of his uh, coalition uh, to yeah. get elected. So I yeah, we we do have something something to do with it. I don't want to make it too much about bashing all that. And again, I I say mm-hmm. somewhat unwittingly. I think. <sighs> We, we, you know, like we said at the, at the outset, there was somewhat of a response to a receptive marketplace that yeah. I, I Falwell and others stumbled into. You know, I think, I, I think, uh, and I'd love to have your comment on on this. I think a lot of the confusion and 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 even the the negative uh, aspects of Christians' involvement in politics to a large extent is a. Is a is a naive assumption that uh, the world uh, you know, changes in the world's kingdom uh, also produces changes in God's kingdom, and uh, you know I I I, I just don't, I, I don't think all Christians have a clear understanding of of those two kingdoms and how they work. Um, I, in his book Myth of a Christian Nation, uh, Gregory Board, Boyd. Um, argues that he has a really interesting argument that legislative power and, and the and the kingdom of God operate on two completely different levels. One one he calls a power over people as it seeks you know to mass public opinion and gain votes and change structures of government that kind of thing. But then he mentions that the kingdom of God works on a power under people. It's based on serving, lifting up. And, um, and and I think, therefore, if that's true, then things that we think uh, have gained, we've gained as Christians, we've gained power in government. Maybe maybe we've le- uh, legislated a few things that seem more Christian to us. So and and yet, what all we've done is change something in 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 a power over structure. And not the power under that the kingdom of God is built on. Um, you understand what I'm trying to say here? I think it's all very well stated. Absolutely agree with with the premise. I, I look. Our, I mean, I alluded to our constitution as the, mm-hmm. the best, most functioning one the world has ever seen. It's a system of government to to govern what fallen men. I mean, the best system mm. of government would be a benevolent dictator named Christ. Well, that's not available. <laughs> because we fell, 
So it is still an institution of man. And, you know, our system works so well because it's designed to slow down uh, zeal, if you will, and force compromise, which is really kind of, <laughs> there's the rub. It's antithetical to what a, a lot of people with rigid ideology want to do is compromise. But our very system is designed for compromise, for check yeah. and balance. And what it means is, is that very few people come away polit- completely politically satisfied. You know, no one really gets exactly what they want in the big scheme because that's what the system's designed to do, and it's the point. Mm. That's why it works, ironically. So mm. it is It is absolutely – I mean, if people could see it up close, um, look, Washington, D.C. and the monument, it's still a breathtaking, beautiful thing. It is the most important beacon for freedom um, that man has instituted uh, in modern mm-hmm. time. Uh, I believe all of that. Um, but boy, I mean, I see behind the curtain as well, and it's 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 a bunch of people, and people are flawed. Um, yeah. So understand, it's a deeply flawed uh, system, but it's the best one we can have. But boy, we should never mistake that somehow it can be used um, to institute the, the the kingdom of God. That is a that is of spiritual means, and that is uh, that is of ministerial means, and that is of a, the charge mm-hmm. of the Great Commission, and all very different than any system of government. Hmm. Hmm. Boy, I wonder how we could uh, help help uh, people to understand that. Well, more. I think it's. Uh, I think we have to. I think we have to say it. I, I think we sh- mm-hmm. you, if you want to point to examples of the, the best thing that can be done to, to advance the kingdom of God from government. Well, with the U.S., it's still our largesse and what we can do with wealth and what we can do to protect human rights. Uh, I think of what was done the last decade mm-hmm. um, out of the wealth of this nation, and President Bush led this effort uh, to eradicate AIDS on the continent of Africa. Uh, that might be, if you, I would argue that probably is the most Christian thing this Christian nation uh, has done over the last several decades. Yeah. Um, yeah. After, the, liber- after the liberation of, of Europe from fascism. And, yeah. but, we don't, but the Christian right doesn't really think of it that way. Uh, at, least, at least it doesn't come first to mind. Um, but there, that, that fulfilled Oz Guinness's challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing for others? What are we doing to protect others? What are we doing to secure the rights of others, not just ourselves? Yeah. Wow. That's that's fantastic. Um, so, I, uh, what if you could say, you know, what what would you want to say to to Christians? I, you know, here here at the catch, we we represent. Uh, pretty excited about our, our our new vision, which is to to introduce the gospel of welcome to everyone everywhere, and that's our that's our vision. We figure, you know, a vision needs to be big enough that you never reach, and um, so we'll be after that for a long time, and uh, and yet the gospel of welcome is is um, open arms. It's it's uh, it's like you said, it's standing in other people's shoes. It's it's welcoming people from all different uh, walks of life and 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 different persuasions um and because that's what god does uh he he opened his arms on the cross to everyone um how how do we how do we advance that gospel and still 
you know, remain uh, active in in our own country in in politics because it's it's a democracy and we all have responsibilities. Well, I think we need to under I think we need to um, make the effort to understand people that may aggravate us and to do so lovingly. And I think you can find okay. that you can do that uh, without completely disarming what you may already believe and understand. Now, what you also might gain a perspective on is, is, is maybe how some of those beliefs and understandings might, to be adapt, might need to be adapted um, mm-hmm. or not. But we have to, we've got to have the benefit of, of dialogue. We have to have the benefit of being intellectually curious. Um, and... Mm. Uh, and striving to be civil, just making the commitment not to participate in something um, that is going to denigrate someone. I tell you, great. think of it this way. Um, I had the opportunity to have my children in London about four years ago, and it was the same time that President Obama was there. Well, Mm -hmm. everyone may have gotten the gist by now, John, but President Obama is not from my political party. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I politically politically oppose him quite a bit and um, and say so on a regular basis. But it was very interesting to be there and teach my children that when you are in a foreign country uh, and mm-hmm. you do not speak ill uh, of your president, he is the mm-hmm. president for all of us. And there just needs to be a time at times people, you know, especially people of faith, step back and consider that context. Of yeah. how do I be? So what am I doing? I can complain about this person all I want, and I may think this person's a terrible congressman or a terrible president or a terrible senator. But what am I doing to support them um, uh, as people? Well, I go back to I go back to uh, to prayer. Um, if you have the opportunity to be in contact with people, I'd go back to being gracious to them and relational. That means you don't go to a town hall and scream at somebody. You pose your question to them with the respect that they are due. Um, one of the things I've learned in, early in this business was not to ever let it be personal. People who I have, <laughs> I have bashed with political rhetoric uh, in the media, I privately still give them the honor and respect that's afforded to them given, given offices that, that they may hold. Mm-hmm. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a kingdom-thinking gospel of welcome application mm-hmm. of how to engage um, public square. So if you're doing it, if you're, you're exercising the gospel of welcome, in one part of your life, please make sure it's extending um, into this realm of not just politics, but the public square or any types of issues and any types of debate, even those people that may want to, may do you harm or may be antithetical to these core things that you believe in. Um, you know, the only thing, <laughs> these are still the mm-hmm. people that Jesus would sit around and have dinner with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. View them as the tax collectors. And it, we need we need more people proselytizing this, and we need more people acting this way, and so as not to give in and drive a marketplace that's based on division and the vitriol, and much of what we see when we turn on cable TV at night. Yeah, and that you know, I'm thinking of the, the verse we had in the catch today, Rob. Is uh, um, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Uh, that would be falsely. Those, those aren't true things. Um, because of me, rejoice and be glad, 
because great is your reward in heaven. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's saying go out there and fight for yourself or defend yourself, does it? You know, it, it, it says rejoice that that you're being singled out because uh, they did that to the prophet too. That, 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 that's right, and that's not the and that's not to mean martyr yourself either, right? No. Um, but to understand that that's to understand that as the context. Um, that's not about us. We certainly aren't there to fight for ourselves. We may need to fight for others, those that are less fortunate, um, yeah. those that are defenseless, those that need to be protected, um, but and human rights issues. Um, but that's exactly right. How can we adapt? How can we approach this in a selfless manner? Here, here's the other thing I would challenge people, John: is seek this out. Go go find a go find a friend. Um, if you think there's a gay agenda that threatens Western civilization, um, go make sure go have a gay friend and spend some time with somebody. Um, understand their, their context that, that feeds their life and their politics. Or go stand in the chapel in San Francisco at Grace Cathedral that is the chapel to the AIDS victims where you can just stand there and not help but feel the absolute grief and burden um, of 30 years ago of, of a community that was watching each other die and, and came to this cathedral to cry out for, for, for God's um, peace. You know, what do we do to put ourselves, cast ourselves into the situation of others to at least have a glimpse in their world perspective? It doesn't mean that's what we adopt, but how can we not but be better people and better equipped to engage in all this if at least we have a, an understanding that goes to the core of who they are as people and their humanity rather than the rhetoric that we just hear bandied about or something we may see on a 140-character tweet? Wow. Rob, that's fantastic. That that is really fantastic, and uh, I think that's actually a really good spot to end our our discussion here because I I love the way you we put that, and I think it's a challenge to all of us, and and the other thing I noticed uh, all the way through Rob how many times you you use the word others, um, it just seemed to permeate everything you were talking about, and. Uh, I, that I wasn't ready for that at all. That it totally surprised me, and uh, I got to learn. I got to work on that one. You know, well, our, our, you know, our political system <laughs> is designed for us to act out of self-interest, and I'd argue the yep. system works best when we do to a de- to a degree. But people of faith, there's a challenge, mm-hmm. as as I think Guinness would challenge us. Approach yep. this um, with others in mind, somewhat selflessly, and see. If it impacts your thinking on candidates and issues, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fantastic. Well, Rob, can't thank you enough. What's well, what's John, ahead this for was, you now? This uh, <laughs> it was absolutely my. Pre- this is a great respite from from going back to campaign work to spend this time, <laughs> to spend this time with you. So. It's a blessing to, to me to be able to, to, to visit with you and, okay. and uh, head down now as we head to November 4th. And I got to, you know, I hope everyone listening is, registered, is going to register and is going to vote. Um, yeah. Please do participate. There you go. Fantastic. Yeah, let's do that. And uh, uh, there's, there's a lot more we could talk about, but uh, maybe that will be another time. Sounds and, good. Uh, just, thank you, Rob. Thanks for what you mean to the catch, and all of us uh, appreciate the time. Thank you for your ministry, John. It's wonderful. All right. You bet. Uh, uh, bye.
Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being a part of Blog Talk Radio. I hope you learned a lot tonight. I'm going to listen to this one over again because there was some really good stuff here that went by a little bit too fast. But I just want to remind you that whole idea of listening, understanding, putting yourself in the shoes of people who are different than you, and at least, if anything, just to to connect and uh, be open because the gospel of welcome is for everyone. There, and we that means you and I need to be open and understanding of everyone as well. And uh, that's what makes this whole thing work. So um, God bless you, everybody. on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together.